This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Thanks for staying tuned to the morning run with Keith Kam and I'm Wong Xiaoning. It is 7.37, Thursday, the 8th of January. Tuesday saw the Reserve Bank of Australia keep its cash target rate at 4.35% at its first meeting of the year. This was primarily the result of faster than expected retreating inflation as it reported its fourth quarter CPI data released at end January. Now, the RBA has stated its priority is returning inflation to the 2 to 3% target range. Separately, the Australian government will introduce a taxation schedule designed to be more progressive, which promises a greater multiplier effect on the circular economy, redistributing income towards households more likely to spend in greater proportion than save. And this is due to replace a previous stage 3 system legislated under living cost pressures. So how reactive might the Australian economy be to these decisions and is the land down under certain to stay on top of its fiscal and monetary policy? For insights, we speak to Sean Lankick. He is the Head of Macroeconomic Forecasting at Oxford Economics. Good morning, Sean. Thanks for speaking to us. Now, the RBA stood pat on its cash rate at 4.35% during the February meeting. Mainly thanks to CPI data. Was this in line with your expectations? Good morning, and thank you very much for having me. Uh, it was in line with with expectations. Uh, I think, you know, running into the end of 2023, I thought there was a case for um, higher interest rates uh, in order to guarantee that inflation gets back to target a little bit quicker. Uh, but once we got that Q4 CPI print that was well below our expectations, the RBA's expectations and market expectations, uh, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that we were going to see a, a hold in February. Both RBA and the Fed are cautioning against expecting early rate cuts and in this disinflationary environment, will the RBA tread on the Fed's heels and, and do you expect a, a wait-and-see stance or, or early action or how long do you think they, will, they, they might hold out uh, for this year? Yeah, I, I think it will be very much a case of wait-and-see through most of 2024. Uh, inflation, it, it's important to remember, it's fantastic that it's coming down but it is still a full percentage point above the RBA's target, uh, and and really the progress uh, getting it from four percent to three percent uh, is going to be a little bit more difficult than what we've seen to date. And and indeed, our forecast and the RBA's forecasts uh, expect that process is going to take uh, a good amount of time. Um, we still have very very strong inflation in rents uh, and strong uh, unit labour cost growth and market services inflation. And indeed, part of the reason why inflation has come down of late is due to subsidies, which will, of course, roll off. So there is still going to be a little bit of upward pressure in the system. Um, the market has gotten a little bit overexcited after that inflation data and, and has started pricing in interest rate cuts. Uh, I think it's far too premature to be talking about cuts, certainly through the first half of the year. Uh, and I don't expect to see any rate cuts until the very last quarter of 2024. Uh, but I have an interesting. I saw an interesting point on uh, the RBA governor, where he basically said that a further increase in interest rates cannot be ruled out. Was this a surprise? I mean, did did Michelle Bollock surprise markets by saying that? Uh, I don't think so. I I think you know a lot's been made of that comment. I, I think it's in a way just common sense to retain. Um, optionality and, and there's there's really no benefit for for the RBA and their communications to rule anything out. Um, like I say, there are still kind of relatively broad cost pressures in the economy. Um, there's a chance that they flare up, uh, in which case um, you know you'd, you'd have a very strong case to raise interest rates further. 
Uh, and, and really, there's no benefit to, to completely ruling that out. It's a remote possibility. It's, it's unlikely to happen. But uh, I think she's just retaining uh, the option. Sean, if we look at uh, the taxation schedule, uh, there is going to be a more equitable one to replace the legislated stage three cuts. Could the government have gone further for a more progressive structure, do you think? Uh, well, certainly it is it is a move in a more progressive direction. Uh, so perhaps just for a little bit of context, these the, the previous iteration of the tax cuts were scheduled to come into effect from, from 1 July. Uh, it, it was a policy that the Labor government had previously supported, but they've, they've moved off of that uh, and opted to redistribute more of those cuts to, to those at the lower end of the income distribution. Um, in doing so, they've, they've kept the policy uh, at a scale such that the net impact on the budget balance is, is zero. So what they're um, giving to someone that they're taking from uh, another household Um but as you rightly say, there should be a greater multiplier effect because it's a redistribution of, of funds towards those who are more likely to spend their savings. Personally, I, I think the budget is in a strong enough position that um, they could have afforded to loosen the purse strings um, a little bit more. Uh, we've had a very, very fast run up in the share of household incomes that are going to income tax uh, because of bracket creep and inflation that we've experienced over the last couple of years. Um, and I think there was a case to to really kind of give a little bit back, a little bit more back to households. Um, of course, you would have been uh, breaking that kind of uh, constraint of budget neutrality, but I, I think there'd be a strong case to do that at the moment. In the meantime, the RBA described 2024's outlook as highly uncertain. Do you agree? And if so, are risks more geopolitical, domestic or otherwise? Um well, I, I look forward to a year that is certain. <laughs> we know that's not going to happen, though. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, really saying saying things are going to be uncertain, uh, it, you know, it, it's a bit like saying that water is wet. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's a given. Um, look, the geopolitical side of things, obviously, you know, we, we have a number of rolling conflicts that um, it, it's been very interesting in the seeing the way that markets have reacted to the Middle East. It's a little bit more... Unfortunately, you know, very, very unfortunately, almost um, been expected from markets and there's been very little reaction. Um, these things are inherently, you know, incredibly difficult to predict. But I think, yeah, that what the RBA is trying to communicate there is that um, expected volatility has probably increased a little bit, which which is making them a little bit more cautious. Um, on the domestic front, you know, the, the Reserve Bank, as ever, will be looking at inflation and, and asking themselves, you know, where are the sources of this running hotter or cooler than, than we expect? Um, Australia has a very pressing problem when it comes to rental markets and, and the housing market. Um, more generally, that's going to be a strong source of inflation for quite some time. Um, and, and really between that and the unit labour cost outlook, um, that would be keeping the Reserve Bank on its toes Really what it means is that it could take a little longer than they're expecting for inflation to get back to target, which starts to stretch their credibility a little bit because they've they've already allowed inflation to miss above the target for a very long time now and are still forecasting that it will take um, until into 2025 to get back to target. So what 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 then is Oxford Economics' economics house view on Australia's GDP growth for the quarter and for the full year? Yeah, so for 2024, we see it at about 1.3%, which is really 
modest if you consider uh, the trend pace of growth uh, in Australia should be kind of knocking around at about 2%, 2.5%. Equally, Australia is going to enjoy very, very fast population growth again in 2024. It was kind of off the charts in 2023. And yes, it will be coming back a little bit this year, but it's still running at a very hot pace. So, you know, to have GDP growth of only 1.3% when you have very, very strong population growth, um, it means we're, we're going to continue to see GDP per capita um, go backwards over 2024. Um, for the quarter, for Q1, we see growth at around 0.2, 0.3%, very, very sluggish. Um, you know, households are still feeling the pinch from higher interest rates and inflation taking a big chunk out of their, uh, their purchasing power. Uh, we do see conditions easing a little bit and momentum improving in the second half of the year. Uh, that's partly through... Um, the relaxation of, um, well, sorry, the introduction of tax cuts, uh, and then right at the very end of the year, a little bit of relief from interest rates. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, we do see the first half of 2024 being a bit of a slog. All right. Thank you very much for your time. That was Sean Lankick. He's the head of macroeconomic forecasting at Oxford Economics, giving us his views on the Australian market. He's expecting GDP in 2024 to come in at 1.3%. Sluggish growth, as at least for the first half of the year. No thanks to high inflation affecting household incomes and, of course, also the high interest rates crimping people's spending behaviour. So the lucky country, apparently not so lucky in 2024, despite population growth. Up next, we'll be discussing birthday stands regarding the reduction of Datuk Sri Najib's sentence. Stay tuned for that. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.